what resonates in my heart for you is just that this would be an intentional break, uh, that there would be no time wasted in what the Lord is doing in your life. And, uh, and so regardless of how you change uh, environments, whatever that looks like, that's going to look different for everybody. And for some of you, it looks like everything's staying the same. You know, that may be the case. You may not be changing your environment really at all. This may be home already. I don't know. Um, but, uh, but regardless, that it would be intentional, intentional time. So I'm not going to brag, uh, except for just a little bit, uh, but I am done with my finals. Yeah. So John and I are done with our finals. So uh, it's good to be done, and good luck to you. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm hoping that this is a good week for you. Um, I know you're working hard and, and continue to do that. So what I want to do this morning is just bring you uh, just a word that um, is, is going to serve, I hope, as an encouragement uh, for you as you make this transition. It's going to go along a lot with what uh, Melina has said. We're going to be in the first chapter of Luke. So go ahead and go there. And I kind of joke every year, I am, uh, I'm not real talented at doing the, uh, the seasonal messages. Like, you know, I just, that just doesn't typically occur for me. Uh, so, so if you want, we're going to talk about Mary. So if you want, this will stand as my Christmas message, okay? So Mary's in it. We're talking about the virgin birth. Let's call it a Christmas message. You can check that one off the list for me, right? Yeah, okay. Does it count? Naomi got on to me because I wasn't wearing a Christmas sweater this morning. I think I look pretty festive, don't you? That's what you thought when I walked in. You said, man, that fellow's festive, right? <laughs> All right, Luke chapter 1. So what we're going to do is, uh, is we're going to look at the process that Mary goes through. So what I want to really try to highlight for us this morning is more of the, uh, more of the internal process uh, that Mary goes through as she receives a word from the angel about what is going to transpire uh, over the next uh, months of her life. Okay, so she's obviously uh, right in the middle of everything in the world changing with the coming of the Messiah. And she plays a central role uh, in that. But what has struck me, and this, this was, uh, we were driving home from uh, Missouri one year. Uh, this is back when we lived in Missouri. And, uh, and this passage... I remember it. We were on uh, 35. There's a lot of 35 from Missouri to Texas. Um, and uh, we, we were driving back. And I remember this passage really resonated with me in a way that it had not ever before. I'd always kind of read past it as kind of a scene-setting uh, verse. And for the first time, I went, wow, you know, there's really something huge there. Um, and so I've been talking about it around uh, this time, around transition time. Uh, with, with college students really ever since. So Luke chapter 1. Now remember uh, the, the context of what Mary is going to hear. So we're going to read uh, about what Mary hears from the angel. And please remember the context. So the context of the scripture of the Old Testament uh, is really leading up to this point. We've had 400 years of silence from the end of the Old Testament uh, to the beginning of the New uh, and the people of Israel are are essentially uh, in not 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 quite in slavery, but but in slavery, um, and uh, they're they're in political oppression, and their their expectation is for freedom, and they're waiting for the voice of God to return, and we we uh, the voice of God returns with the with the coming uh, of Jesus, 
And, uh, and so that's kind of where we are uh, in the context of, of what, what Mary hears. Now, uh, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, you'll hear this a ton uh, over the Christmas season. So this is maybe a Christmas passage. This counts, right, for the Christmas message. Uh, what, what does Isaiah seven fourteen say? Anybody know? Good, you didn't put it on the screen already. Good. <laughs> what does it say? What is it, what is it? It's prophecy of something, you know, of the virgin birth. You'll conce- the virgin will conceive a son, and his name shall be Emmanuel. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. You can throw those in there, too. That'll work. Okay. Good. Come on, guys. Shake off the rust. You got finals this week. Okay. So that's the context, all right? So look at Luke 1. Are you there? Not if you're there. Okay, a lot of banter to get you there. Okay, here we go. Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of of David. This is important. Of the house of David is important. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. The Hebrew would have been Yeshua. You will call his name Yeshua. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him, uh, give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Okay, so let's contextualize the promise into the Old Testament. Okay? So we know that the language that the angel uses is specific. Why? Because Mary is of, of what background? Mary's a Jew. Okay? So because Mary is a Jew, she's very familiar with the context that she lives in. She knows that language of, the, of, of his father David means something. She knows that it's significant that she is a virgin. She knows that it's significant that, that the angel speaks a word that you have found favor. She's processing this in light of where, uh, where she stands in history. She's aware. Now, scholars argue on kind of how aware she really is. But she's aware that this isn't just some random, weird thing happening. She knows that it's connected to the history of her people. She knows that it's connected to the one true God, okay? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is, this is very connected to the promise of the Old Testament from, uh, that, that she would have been familiar with, okay? So I want you to think about the magnitude of what gets spoken over her, okay? So it says, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You will call his name Yeshua, which is the, the same, if you go from Hebrew to Greek to English, we get Jesus. If you just go from Hebrew to English, it's Joshua, okay? Now, does Joshua have any significance to the people of Israel? What did Joshua do? Where did he lead the people? In the promised land. This matters, okay? She hears you will, Joshua, Okay? So this is, this is the redeemer, the savior, the one that will lead his people. And he says, you have the, of his kingdom you will be no end. So he will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him to the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. There is so much to unpack in that passage, but that's not what we're going to focus on. Okay, There's so much there, but that's not what we're 
going to focus on. First, I just want you to see the magnitude of what she receives and where it comes from. Where does it come from? It comes from God. God brings a very specific uh, word to Mary. It's a word of promise, and it's a word of direction, okay? But what I want you to see is that God spoke, okay? God spoke into her life, and I want you to hear what she says in verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? What's at the end of that sentence? What's the punctuation? A question mark. Okay, smile. God's okay with questions, all right? Why is she asking a question? She's asking a question because she doesn't want to do it, right? No, I almost got you. What is she asking? What's the first word of her sentence? How will this be? What's she asking? How? She's asking for clarification. She's not asking to avoid, okay? First thing I want you to see here in her process is that it's okay to press the Lord when it's for the purpose of obedience and understanding. Not when it's for disobedience. How many of y'all do that or know kids that do that? The question is really not for understanding more. The question is to get out of what you've been asked to do. That's different than what Mary does here, okay? We try to tell our kids, listen, when we tell you to do something, you have two options. You do it or you can ask a question. They're still learning that. (laughs) We get caught in neither of those options a lot. But we, we want them to know that it's okay for the purpose of clarification, not to delay obedience, but for the purpose of clarification. It's okay to want to understand, that God welcomes your desire to understand. As God speaks into your life, it's not just this, okay, now i got to fill in all of the blanks. It's appropriate and good for you to say, okay, God, how? What is the way in which you want to do this? Lead me further down the road. So Mary asks a question, okay? That's the first thing. And the angel answered her, verse 34, uh, sorry, 35, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, okay, here we go, lock in here. Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Okay, super simple here. What is her response? She asks the question. The angel responds. And how does the angel respond? Does he give her logic according to human wisdom? We, lo- we would really love that if God did that all the time, right? 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 If God just explained according to human rationale and wisdom, everything, the the angel doesn't respond that way. The angel doesn't go, oh, you don't understand? Let me talk about it in a human way. (laughs) The angel responds with what? It's going to be the power of God. The Spirit of God will come upon you. He speaks to her about what God is going to do. He speaks to her about the process that God is going to empower. You notice that. That's huge that we understand the correlation of those two things. That first, it's God that says, this is what's going to happen. God's the one that that initiates this conversation, calls Mary into obedience, and says, this is what's going to happen. God is the one that prompts it. But God is also the one who empowers the process. She says how, and he doesn't say, Mary, you're going to have to try really, really, really hard. 
You've already got a, a, a guy that you're planning to marry. Maybe we can do it that way. Maybe you guys can get married and then just happen to name his, na- you know, his name Jesus and we'll work it out that way. He doesn't respond with human effort in order to achieve the task. He calls and he empowers. Listen, I don't know what your last, what has it been, three months? Have we been in school three months? Okay. Three or four-ish? Okay. I don't know what this season has looked like for you. Some of you, it's been a really difficult one. Maybe it's because it's transition. Maybe because school's really hard. Maybe relationships have shifted. For some of you, you've been like floating on a cloud for three months. Like, college is wonderful. <laughs> I remember when I went to school, my dad said, Kendall, this will be the time where you'll have the uh, greatest amount of freedom coupled with the least amount of responsibility. Enjoy it. It will not last long, and it will never come again. <laughs> he was right, right? Right? The greatest amount of freedom, least amount of responsibility. This is kind of that time in your life. Some of you are just like soaking that in. Like, no one is going to tell me when to go to bed? Yeah. You know, like, no one's told me since junior high. I'm grown, right? Okay. Listen, I don't know what it's looked like for you, but one of the things that Melina challenged you to put on your card is what? What's the the very first one? Remember, what has God done? If it's been in difficulty, that's okay. If it's been in struggle, that's okay. What has God done in your life? What has he spoken? What has he said? How has he changed you? How has he transformed you? And listen, if it's in small things, know that nothing is small in the kingdom of heaven. If it came on purpose and by God, it is huge, okay? If it's something tiny that you would go, well, I got a, you know, God just kind of softened me a little bit. I became a little bit more kind. Celebrate that. Remember that. How did God get you there? What was the process that occurred in your heart and in your life to where that kindness, which is a fruit of the Spirit, began to emanate from your life? How'd that happen, right? Remember what God has done. Why is it important that we remember? Because it's important that we remember that God has done it. And what does Mary say in verse 38? Mary said, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I want you to think about what God has done. I want you to remember what God has done. Lock into that and continue over this break, continue to present yourself before the Lord for his purposes. She receives that word and she says, behold, essentially, some versions say, behold, the handmaid of the Lord. She's essentially saying, God, you use me and do in me whatever it is that you want in order to accomplish your will for your glory. For a believer, that's the process. God speaks, God empowers the process. What is our job? To what? Submit. That's not a bad word in the kingdom. To submit to God's purposes is to be safe. To submit to God's purposes is to be valued. To submit to God's purposes is to submit in order that he gains glory. We get the honor and the privilege of going, God, you used me in whatever way that you want to use me. Mary says, behold the handmaid of the Lord. Now listen, I want you to jump to verse 46. So we're gonna get, I feel like we're reading uh, Mary's like prayer journal here, okay? That's kind of what this this passage just really feels like, okay? And uh, it's kind of like this private conversation that we get to have. 
so the first thing she does is she presents herself before the Lord. I want you to continue to present yourself before the Lord. Ask him to do what only he can do in your life. But listen to this. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read. Uh, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll take it apart a little bit. Okay. Let's take it apart a little bit. All right. Verse 46. And Mary said. Now this is after all this has happened. Okay. So she's, she's processing. My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. I'm going to read the whole thing. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained uh, with her about three months and returned to her, uh, to her home. So she's with Elizabeth at this time that she speaks what she speaks here. And you can see her connection to the promise of the Old Testament. She says, God has been faithful to what he said he would do. But what I want you to see is, uh, is pretty simple here. Just verse 46 and 40, 47. She says, so this is the next kind of piece in her process. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Now, if you've been around here long enough, you know those words matter, soul and spirit. <laughs> they mean something very specific. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. Little s spirit is the deepest part of a human being. It's the place where the Spirit of God, capital S, where the Spirit of God dwells. If you're anxious right now because I don't have a whiteboard, I am too, okay? I'd like to be drawing this, but I'm not, Okay? But she names these two things and gives them action. My soul, what's the word? Magnifies. You know what that word means? Somebody just take a shot at it. Not Webster. Don't be Webster. What does magnify mean? If, if Webster's in here, I'm so sorry. I did not mean that about you. Okay. Yeah. Think about the soul. My mind, my will, and my emotions. My will is a really important thing here. What happens from my will? It's where I what? Choose. It's where I choose action, right? My will is, is what moves me forward as a, as a human, okay? I've got to take data from somewhere, and I, based on that data, I've got to make decisions, and I've got to choose. That's your will. Your will absorbs data from, from your mind and your emotions or from the Spirit of God or this, this complex uh, working of, of all three of those and says, okay, based on what I've heard, I'm going to do. What does Mary do? Mary takes data from the Word of the Lord that says this is what's going to happen, and her will says I'm going to be the servant of the Lord. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. It's her will that propels her to get into alignment with the Spirit of God who has spoken these things over her and, and presents herself to God in obedience. Now she says this very word, my soul magnifies and my spirit rejoices. I want to tell you that as you move into this next season, it's important that you understand the combination of those two things. They cannot exist apart, and I want to talk about why, okay? The first is, what is, does it mean for the spirit to rejoice? What, what causes the spirit of man to rejoice? What is it? 
She's rejoicing in what? What does she follow? What is this whole thing about? Whose work? God's work. She's rejoicing in the fulfilled promise of God. If we were to just zoom way, 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 way out and say, what is it that causes the spirit of man to rejoice? It is truth. We were built for truth to live, abide, and dwell in us. And God does that via the Holy Spirit who lives, abides, and dwells in us and reveals to us the truth of God. Mary has just come into contact, even though it was this mind-blowing thing, she's come into contact with the truth of God that said, I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. And what does it cause in her? Rejoicing. We have mixed up joy, and I'm not going to go into like a sermon on joy, but joy is not happiness on steroids. And joy doesn't come because I pet myself up for it. Joy in the deepest innermost part of us can even come in the most difficult of seasons because joy exists where truth does. She rejoices because the truth of God is known in her. And it causes rejoicing. Now here's the second part of it, okay? So the spirit is rejoicing. So what is it in you that God has said and done? Maybe he's said and done something about himself. He's he's changed something in you. Regardless, there's truth that exists. Let me ask you this. Are you rejoicing in light of that truth that you wrote in that remember section? Is there rejoicing that's rising up from deep in you? Again, not happiness on steroids, but the the recognition that, that God has spoken and worked in me, and that causes rejoicing. Now, the second part is equally important, and they can't go apart from each other. The second part is that my soul magnifies. My soul doesn't rework the truth and spit it out. What's magnify mean, right? To make larger. Right? Y'all tracking? So her soul is not creating something new and and choosing based on what she thinks God means. She's just magnifying the truth of what God has said and done in her. Her soul is just the vehicle that that truth gets magnified into the world around her. You see it? That's why James would tell us that faith without works is dead. Because when that rejoicing, that transaction that occurs by faith where I connect with the truth of God, with the action of God on the inside and that rejoicing springs out, it's vital that our will come into alignment with that truth and our soul become a magnifier of what God is saying and doing in our lives. Y'all with me? Right? That's the beauty of how God wired us, that our soul is a magnifier of truth, not the author of truth. It's a magnifier of truth. That by my will, in my mind, so internally, right, what ought to be happening? Happening. Paul says, don't be conformed to the patterns of the world, but be changed, right? Be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. So my soul magnifies the truth of the Lord first. Where? Right here. And then where? Out here. So my spirit rejoices and my soul magnifies. Okay. Let's go to the next part of of, of what Mary's doing. Chapter 2 of Luke. I didn't jump chapters on you. All right, we got to move quick. We got 10 minutes. We're going to do this, all right? Okay. Jesus has been born at this point. And the shepherds have come, verse 19. 
Now, I want you to just try, listen, we read this and we go, wow, that's crazy. What would that have been like? But what she's experiencing is not something that you and I haven't experienced every day. She's in a position where she's seeing and hearing God work and move, and she's watching his promises unfold all around her. You ever seen that happen? We ought to be observers of that every day. Every day, we ought to be in that same position that Mary's in going, oh my gosh. God is doing what he said he was going to do. God is, God is coming uh, and, and bringing the power that he said he would bring. He's bringing uh, truth where he said he would bring it. He's, he's healing where he said he would heal. He's freeing where he said he would free. He's speaking to me the way he said he would speak. Like we ought to be in that kind of that, oh my goodness, this is incredible moment all the time. Mary's there. So what we're going to see is we're going to see where, where Mary is kind of as she's watching all this unfold. Can you imagine? I mean, just... From where we just started, God's saying, here's what I'm going to do. And she goes, how? And then God says, because I'm going to do it, right? That's kind of the, the uh, quick notes of it, right? And she goes, oh, my goodness, then here I am. God, then you do it, and my soul will magnify you. My spirit will rejoice. And as she's doing that, right, she's watching all this take place. And here she is. Now, Jesus has come. God has done what he said he was going to do. And people that she didn't even know are coming to see the baby. Now, I'm just saying, we have that experience all the time. We were in Lowe's yesterday. That baby is a magnet, right? This is why, I mean, I, look, nobody ever comes and talks to me when I'm in the lumber section of Lowe's. Nobody ever comes and says, oh, <laughs> we bring that baby along. Oh, my goodness. We can't get out of the store. And people, like, touching the baby. I'm like, stop touching the baby. Okay. I don't know if Mary, I just wondered, like, I didn't think about that until we had kids. I wonder if Mary was like, shepherds. Ooh. <laughs> like, like stop touching the baby and I wonder when one of them's like oh my god you know that one that's just the super cute baby and then you go no get away <laughs> anyway so strangers are touching her baby right and she's like oh my gosh this is all happening all right I'm glad y'all are alive you smiled okay check this out verse uh, 19 listen to this this is this is what on the drive to Missouri was just like I'd never seen it before and it just stood out listen but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them where? Golly. And I just, when, when we were driving, I remember when I heard that for the first time, I went, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm missing that part of the process a bunch. I feel like that's kind of the, the, spot, that I, the, the spot that I kind of can check out on sometimes. I forget to remember. Like, I forget to be in the moment. I forget to be overwhelmed by what God is doing. I don't know if I get used to it or, or, or what, but I just kind of will move through the moment, and I forget to remember. Listen to what she did. She, it says she treasured up, okay? So that word treasured, there's two things there. She treasured them up. That means there's value, huge value, by the word treasure, and, and, and some versions say she stored them up, right? So she's storing up valuable things. Where? In her heart. She's present, listen to me, she's present in the moment of what God is doing. 
are you so, the question here is, and especially this can happen to us in the transition of seasons, are you so absorbed in what's coming next that you've forgotten to remember what God has done? Have you forgotten to sit down, and that's why we, we have these cards, like be intentional this Christmas break of not looking forward. Or at least if you're going to look forward, do it after you've sat and treasured and stored up things in your heart of what God has already done. I promise you that that practice of storing things up in your heart, pondering things in your heart, creating this spirit of thankfulness in you of what God has done, I promise you that will strengthen you for whatever is coming next. One of the things I've noticed in my life is that when I think about what's coming next without pondering what God has already done, it's always anxiousness. Y'all ever, y'all ever get there? The first thing that I jump to when I forget to remember the faithfulness of God, the first thing that I jump to when I think about tomorrow is anxiousness. The thing that seemed, when I, when I accidentally stumble into it and sometimes get it right, I've noticed that when I think about What's next in light of what God has already done? Anxiousness doesn't come. I think that matters. I think that's connected. I think it matters that the Bible stops and tells us internally about what's going on in Mary. Mary treasured all these things, pondering them. What does pondering mean? Thinking about them, but not thinking about them. (laughs) Thinking about them where? That's a totally different process. You're not recalling facts. You ever ponder someone in your heart? Y'all just get ready with your awes, okay? Many times a day, I ponder Lindsay in my heart. What does that mean? Come on, I told y'all, get ready. I'm gonna do it. Be romantic. (laughs) Right? What does that mean? Think about this. That's different. I'm not thinking about facts about her. That would be like, intellectually pondering her. I would be pondering her in my brain. Okay? When I say that I'm pondering her in my heart, what does that mean? There's, there's relationship and character and her nature involved in that. There's intimacy involved in that. There's connection involved in that. I'm thinking about her as a person, as who she is, is what's happening in here. There's affection involved in that. Mary is pondering these things in her heart. There's affection for God in it. There's recognition of who he is, of his character, of his nature. This is an intimate action. As she recalls what God has done, and it causes her to think on who he is. I can't speak for Mary, but I would say this based on what we get to read here. One of the things that she's pondering in her heart is how faithful God is. He comes through. He does exactly what he says he's going to do. She's pondering that in her heart. And what, I, what it's going to do, here's why this is so important. This is going to empower her for future battles. Listen, if anybody is going to go to war, if anybody is going to fight a battle, it's this woman. If there's anybody where we can gain strength from, it's Mary. Because what is she going to have to watch some 33 years later? She's going to have to watch that precious child of hers who was the promise of God get thrown up on a cross and murdered. She's going to put eyes on it. 
We just talked about it months ago, right? That it's the most gruesome death anyone could go to. And this mother of this child who's in her arms and and this miracle from God is now going to be on a cross bleeding to the end of his life. She's going to watch it. What happens if she misses pondering things in her heart? Absolute chaos and turmoil in her. But I guarantee you that, and we, and we read it about the faithfulness of her life. What, what, what is all of what she's watching, as excruciating as it must have been, all of it is laying on the foundation of what? What has she already pondered? God is faithful. What that moment did for her as she's going, pondering who, who God is in her heart, it, it empowers her for future battles. It empowers her for what's next. That's what I'm telling you. If you forget this step, then, I, then the weight sometimes and the turmoil of what's coming next will throw us off. Because it's got to come into context. So the turmoil of Jesus' death on the cross comes into context. And what's the context? God's faithfulness. Right? He was born by promise. If he dies, it's by promise. Most of the time we step into battle, we have no context because we've forgotten to remember. Stop this Christmas and remember what God has done. Not facts. Ponder him in your heart. So that whenever the turmoil may come, whenever the challenge may come, and it will come, it comes in context of the goodness of God of the faithfulness of God, of his mercy. And those aren't just Bible things Christians say. You can grab hold of that reality in your life because you've thought about it. You stop long enough to go, yeah, this does just over and over show that God is faithful. I, I just would tell you, if you want to look at this, it's a cool story um, in David's life. In 1 Samuel, chapter, we're not going to go there. We don't have time. 1 Samuel chapter 17 Verse 50 through 54, it talks about David's uh, defeat of Goliath, and he, like, steals a bunch of Goliath's stuff. <laughs> he takes all of his armor and his sword and, and everything, and he goes and he hides it. Some of, of the spoils of that uh, go on display to show the victory that God has won. But then later, in 1 Samuel chapter 21, just a few chapters later, we read that David goes and gets the sword that he took off of Goliath for the next battle. You don't think that has spiritual profound implications? That, that the victory that God established in that moment was a weapon used in the next fight. Come on. What, what is God doing now that's empowering you to fight in the next fight? Right? Don't forget to pick up the sword. Don't forget to remember. That's what we want to do over this Christmas break. So, remember, reflect on, on this, those passages that you, those are kind of tied together, but those passages that you uh, wrote down or whatever God brings to your heart and pray. Does that sound okay? Be intentional this Christmas. Don't, I, I did this for four years. I went home and I was like, oh, I don't have to do anything. There was no intentionality and those moments were wasted, <laughs> right? I mean, it's just being honest. Nobody, nobody ever looked me in the eye and went, hey, don't check out, right? <laughs> hey, don't check out, okay? <laughs> All right? Don't check out. 
don't let us let a shift in environment uh, throw you off. Receive it as a gift and go, okay, maybe this is just space to hear God. If, if it's not, make space to hear God, okay? Be intentional over this next month. And it's absurd that you get a month, but I'll see you in a month, okay? Blessings on your finals. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for, uh, for what we read here. Thank you for the challenge that Mary gives us. Thank you for her strength. Thank you for this word of pondering what you're doing in, in her heart. And I pray that that would uh, occur for each and every person in this room. That we would be able to just stop and, 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 and spend some time just in quiet. And God, that you would speak to us, that you would show us all that you have done. That there would be no thing that would be left unaccounted for. And that no thing would be counted as small. That's just so heavy on my heart this morning that some are staring the provision of God right in the face and calling it small. If it comes from God, it's not small. It's significant. It's praiseworthy. It's powerful and supernatural. There is no small thing that God does. So I pray that you would bring to our minds some of the things that we've maybe discounted because of their size and you would cause rejoicing in us. And pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss you bad. Y'all come study today. Please study at some point today, whether you do it or here or not. Study some point today. Unless you're like me and you don't have to because I'm done. Sorry. But anyway, oh, that was a cruel way to end it. See ya. You're dismissed. (laughs) Merry Christmas.